2: I'm a feminist, but I, uh, I bought an electric foot file off the internet, but I opted for the man's option, even though the woman's one and the men's one were the same price, because I presumed it would be stronger. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up, isn't it? An electric I, foot file. You're probably right, though. You're probably right. They have gnarlier. I presume they have gnarlier feet yeah i
0: mean as a trend is that like it's is never that
2: unfeminist of me an, to... no it's
0: never an absolute but as a trend men probably do have slightly gnarlier feet
2: but then i'm like you know if i want to sell foot pictures do i have to keep them a bit gnarly like you know no i don't think i think for oh, the opposite for foot pictures don't you want smooth little babies i don't know but like if you're into feet you must be like into feet you know <laughs> So that must be like, I was going to say warts and all, but that would be Verucas. I would assume um, for foot pictures, saleable
0: foot pictures, yeah. and this is an I'm a feminist, but for me, what a prejudice on my part. I'd go and have a pedicure, I'd smooth them down, I'd, you know, I'd really, I'd go to town on them. Yeah, I don't know.
2: I'm, well, look, I'm not getting, like, I'm just... Okay, we just, just have making, to pull... The cost of living crisis is coming up. I'm looking for a side hustle. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, and yeah so I've invested in a foot file therefore okay. investing in my future
0: you you will be right about a men's one probably being stronger because men get better products all the time for that kind of thing they get the black and decker foot file we will get yes. the kind of the sort of you know
2: venus one you know advertised by Banana Rama. yes where like an angel will just breathe on your heel I want this foot file to like literally take off my toes I don't want anything do you know? I, want, I want cute little feminine stubs, just, uh, you know. I love that you've bought a foot file for the foot files.
0: What do you mean? Well, you've bought a foot file with an F for the foot files with a PH oh yeah that's true oh that's very good it's, it's a much better pun than it is a funny pun because the audience really voted there with their feet and ironically
2: <laughs> I, want, I want feet like a brat doll do you know what I mean that, I just want to click into my shoe if you've ever owned a brat doll you know they don't have feet yeah uh, it's a very niche joke I got it I <laughs> for get people it. that were like 28 or something like
0: that <laughs> people that are precisely 28 yeah. um, I'm a feminist mm-hmm. but when Suella Braverman our, um, our Home Secretary this week said that being homeless was a lifestyle choice I thought well in that case calling her a cunt is a lifestyle choice yeah she yeah I think it would have been better off the other way around. like at the last minute I flipped it so I'm going to try it again I thought well my lifestyle choice is calling her a cunt beautiful that's funnier that's funny I should have gone with my first instinct that was funnier but uh, she is a cunt like yeah. I mean I don't like calling a woman a cunt but that is so cunty
2: oh and she's like
0: what, what's her lifestyle choice? Like genuinely... Oh, it turns out living with her parents while claiming all sorts of money from the government to not live with their parents.
2: Really? Is yep. that a real thing?
0: That's a real thing. It just came out, yeah. She's... God,
2: when you said living with her parents, I was like, that's humanised her. I'm like, I've done that.
0: No, you know? no, She claimed something like 25 grand for living expenses or something where she was just living with her parents. Um, oh my Christ. Yeah, that's a lifestyle choice. I'm going to go out on a limb
2: and say that's a fucking lifestyle choice. That's a lifestyle choice grift that's an absolute grift and it's hilarious because these like tories go like don't don't give money to homeless people they might spend it on drink or drugs and it's like don't give you grants because uh you're liars anyway
0: yeah. there's so much coke going on in the house of Commons. it's not funny coke yeah
2: oh yeah that makes sense
0: yeah That's like does like and the bar they get all this subsidized really fancy wine and stuff don't give booze or you know, to homeless people, don't give money to homeless people. I'll spend it on booze. What are you spending it on? I've been into the House of Commons. I've seen the bars.
2: I mean, come on. Anyway, you do one. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, I'm a feminist, but I've started growing hair on my big toes lately. I don't know how it's happened. There's a bit of a theme to these. I'm a feminist, butts. <laughs> but but um, I've started growing. I've started growing like hairs on the bottom of my big toes, and they 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 act well, like you know, below the nails. So I'm looking at my foot, right? and my big toes they look like do you know what they look like they look like men on BBC 4 who talk about minimalism do you know what I mean like they got little soul patches and it's weird because I respect them more do you know what I mean when they didn't have little beards I didn't I didn't pay attention to them but now they've grown uh, hair it's, uh, you've just I,
0: taken them more seriously.
2: Yeah, like men in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's really I fucked it. up.
0: No, I get it. Um, no, you've been you've been socially conditioned to think that they're more I, they're they're wiser
4: now.
2: They're wiser. They are wiser. And the thing is, like, uh, I'm thinking of like um, going to a beautician and like asking them. I don't know how you get your feet waxed. You go, uh, can I get a landing strip on this? Like, what do you say? I think they just take the whole toe hair off at the, if you.
0: Get, the, Get Hobbit. the Hobbit.
2: Can you want almost... call it? It should, be. it should be. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's the opposite of a Hobbit, isn't it? It's like, what's the It oh, Doesn't matter. I've, do you know what? I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I've no context for anything. I know Gollum. <laughs> he likes a ring. <laughs> and there's a guy called Frodo and Bilbo, and that's about it. That's all I know about Lord of the Rings. That's a total. I do you, you know. I don't know, like, this, that piece of media is just totally... Not, is it you good? Can't,
0: you can't do everything. I mean, it, it got to a point with that where I was like, there were so many endings. I just leant over and whispered to Tom, I think we live here now.
2: <laughs> I think we just live
0: in this film now. I'm just, that's where we live. Um, oh I'm a feminist, but tonight, when I asked Alison Spittle backstage what her stand-up was about, and she said it was about a man objectifying her in a lift... I went, oh my God, fantastic, because that fits the theme. And I was genuinely thrilled for a split second that a man had objectified her in a lift. And I like, I was elated. And then I went, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened. But also, yay.
2: <laughs> um, I'm a feminist, but I, um, I bought a pink hoodie from the Rita Ora collection in Primark. <laughs> 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 Uh, pennies, I know, I know, I know. Where's my Irish huns? Where are you? I know it's it's. Up the back. You're up the back, of course you are. You mad cunts. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that is the weird thing, do you know? Like I even say I call, do you know what I call Dylan Moore? And I call him Dylan Moran, and it feels weird in my mouth. Do you know that? Because English, huh? Don't do that. I know, I know. Why <laughs> oh, I live here now. It's truly fucked. But like what I do is like so I'm I'm from Ireland and I moved to England about I'd say about four years ago now at this Mm -hmm. stage and like the the weird thing is like once I saw an old man in a Westmead GAA jersey uh, this will make sense to no one from Ireland and uh, I literally followed him I followed him home (laughs) and I kept saying stuff like Joe Dolan like to make him turn around (gasps) and uh that's the name. Joe Dolan is this amazing singer. I'll give it to you after. Yeah, no, that wasn't what I was gasping at.
0: You were, f- you were stalking a man and whispering things you thought might make him turn around. I know. It wasn't the content. It wasn't like, oh, you're Val Dunican. Oh, I know him. That, <laughs> was, that was
2: absolutely irrelevant to me. Do you know it was what's weird? Because just... I, I didn't want to be creepy. I didn't want to just go up to him. Well, then, it... Do you know what I mean? I wanted to be cool about
3: it.
0: If somebody just came up to me and went, oh, Deborah, I know you're... I'm also from that part of Australia. I'd be like, well, that's lovely. But if they just skulked around a couple of feet behind me and went Ralph Harris, that would be... I mean, that would be weird. (laughs) That would be really disturbing. Yes, it would. would. And I would be... I'd be quickening my step. Can I just say, uh, Joe Dolan is nothing like Ralph Harris. Sorry, I don't know why he was the first Australian that came to me and I apologise for that unnecessary reference. But
2: I bought bought the hoodie and... uh, what I found weird about it, I'll show it to you. I got it on here, right? Uh, I bought it. I think it makes me... I'll show it to you. Later. I mean, this is no good for a podcast, but I'll describe it. Alison, you look like a Muppet. I, An a adorable specific, Muppet. I think I look like a Willy. Yeah, on a, yes, on a children's they... TV show. Do you know yes. what I mean? Hello, I'm Mr. Willie. And the weird thing is, th- this is, like, I can see in the mirror. I know what I look like. But I kind of feel a bit more confident. I'm like, yeah. Live from Soho
0: Theatre in London, The spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis Lloyd, guest co-host Alison Spiddle, and our very special guest, Lydia Pettit, talking about the object and the subject. Hello, 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 hello. Oh my God. Um, thank you so much for coming out because um, last Thursday night, this show was sold out, don't mean to brag. And I got COVID, don't mean to brag. And so, I mean, it n- now it's novel. And uh, so I, it, they had to cancel it. And there was no one here at all last Thursday. So they said to all the last Thursday people, do you want to come next Thursday? And uh, lots of them went, no. We've, we've got the plans. We're busy Londoners. I've got a date next Thursday. I don't want them knowing I'm a feminist or whatever they said. Um, they had other stuff on. So just give us a cheer if you transferred from a last week show. Give us a cheer. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back despite the inconvenience to your social life. Uh, just give us a cheer if you had to cancel something else to be here tonight. Woo! Oh, what did you cancel? Being on the bed. Being on the bed. Yeah, I'm being on my bed? Being on the bed. Is that what the young people are calling it? I thought I just invented it. I got no nervous seeing you. Gonna... Uh, you just invented it, but being on the bed, is it an innuendo or do you just literally mean lying down? We've all cancelled that. We've all cancelled that. We all thought about it. We all looked outside. It was raining. It was a bit cold. We all thought about it. Listen, there are some empty seats here at the front where people did it. People went, "Fuck it, I'm home now." Oh, I don't think I can. I don't have the arse to get out again. Oh, it looks looks like outside out there. Um, just give us who else cancelled something to come tonight? Someone else cheer? Yes. Oh, uh, you're, you're pointing those people out like it's a police state. You would be very good in a police state. They're upstairs. Uh, what's, what's yours? Why did, what did you cancel to be here? Uh, my boyfriend's gig. Your boyfriend's gig? Your husband's gig, I'm sorry. Your husband's gig, I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, so you forgot... Not only did you not go to his gig, you forgot that you'd married him. <laughs> Is that a recent husband? Yes. Oh, so he was recently your boyfriend, so you're still not used to saying husband? Yeah, yeah it's a horrible word, isn't it? Yeah wife's awful too, isn't it? Like boyfriend, girlfriend, you sound so young and sexy. Husband, wife, it sounds so serious, it sounds just like the gas bill and nothing fucking else, which, you know, let's not make assumptions about everyone's marriage, but most of them are like that. Um, so you, what's your husband's gig? Uh, he plays in a big band. He plays in a big band. Trumpet but where, oh, by big band, I think you might mean, mean like you 2 or something like that. But, <laughs> no, you mean big band like, oh, like a jazz band. And you were going to see the of Feminist last week and your husband's jazz band this week. And instead you said, fuck you. I've seen him a lot. I've seen him a lot. Well, listen, that's feminism. Because she put feminism over a man. Even a man she just very recently married. Well done. Um, so give us a cheer. If you weren't going to come last week, you just saw it was on this week, and you went, oh, come to this this week. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. If you just walked up, if anyone just came up at the last minute and went, "Oh yeah, I'll go and see that," just give us a cheer. <laughs> just someone Is that? I, I don't want to assume your gender. Was that a man? Yes. Yes, so. it was a man. Um, you just what just saw it was on and thought this uh, looks like we me. We saw a show before, and we were kind of black and barred, So we so, yeah. so, You saw a show before. Whose show did you see before? This gives me no confidence that if you're asked later what show this was, that you'll be able to share, spread the good news. It was another show. Was it in this room or yeah, the, basement? No, the basement? You were in the basement. Was it Chloe pets or someone? Ellis. Uh, no. Phil Ellis. Phil oh, I see. You saw Phil Ellis in the basement. Well done. And then you liked the vibe so much, you thought we'll see if it's as good as Phil Ellis upstairs. Well, you would think if it was... It's a di- a different vibe, I suspect. Oh, it's a... It's a <laughs> It's a very different vibe. So I don't know. What's your name? Uh, Dominic. Dominic. Did Phil ask you your name? No, we did not. Well, already we're better then. <laughs> we've, we've made you feel personally welcome, Dominic. Phil Ellis didn't do that, did he? No, he just went on with his own jokes as if you didn't exist, Dominic. We care about you, Dominic. We're interested in you, Dominic. What do you do for a living? Oh, uh, it's weirdly technical. <laughs> that's, that's when people are drug dealers, that's what they say. They're like, oh, it's weirdly technical. Um, You'll just say analyst, spy. (laughs) Spy. Um, uh, Well, Dominic, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Was it the title that drew you in, The Guilty Feminist? My wife's a fan, so... Your wife's a fan of the show? Oh, and you didn't realise we were on the same building as Phil Ellis, and you were like, oh, can we go upstairs to this? And Dominic went, if we have to. (laughs) And you went, don't worry, we won't sit at the front. She won't talk to you. (laughs) Is that what happened? Was that the conversation? Kind of, yeah, absolutely. Well, well done. I'm sorry. I'm sure you do not identify as Dominic's girlfriend slash wife. Wife. Another wife, isn't it? It's another married thing. You said wife. I'm sorry. Uh, What's your name? Raquel. Raquel. Thank you so much, Raquel. And thank you for being a fan. Just give us a cheer if anyone else listens to The Guilty Feminist. Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Okay. You don't know what you're at? You kind of know what you're at what do you think you're at Uh, a feminism podcast it's not bad is it for somebody who doesn't know what he's at um have you heard it in the background background. (laughs) is this your partner this is your wife because a lot of married people in given it soho on a weeknight um so conventional everybody it's usually, every time I do a show here normally, it's just full of the pan polys. Um This is not... And I'm not assuming, because you're married, you're not a pan poly. You may well be. I don't want... Are you asking her what a pan poly is? Yeah. What's your name? Tom. Tom. Excellent. My husband's name, funnily enough. Good name, yes. You're, lo- you're, you're looking slightly scared at me now. I'm not going to swap you out. Don't worry. Um... Uh, so, uh, Tom, you've heard it in the background. Is that because your, your wife. Sorry, what's your name? What's Tom's. What, what's your name? Antonietta. Is that because Antonietta listens to it? She's a, fan, yeah. She's a fan, so she listens to it, interestingly, without headphones yeah. while you're in the house. <laughs> do you know why she does that, Tom? <laughs> I do. Do we all know? <laughs> it's so you learn something by osmosis, Tom. And strangely, you've been magnetically drawn here tonight. It's not a cult. Lock the doors. It's not a cult, Tom, and that's what you need to keep in mind. You are sitting in the front row and making direct eye contact with me, so it's your own fault. Dominic, I just found him. I mean, he did shout out, to be fair. But you and I, Tom, we're connected for this evening. Um, Are you enjoying it so far? Yep, you are? (laughs) I'm so sorry about the height of the stage. It's for a play. Um, normally this is raped seating, so we're down here and then you go up here. I hate it when the stage is, is, uh, is higher than the front row, because I know that the view that you have is the same view I have if I accidentally open my camera phone and go, right, oh my God! It's not my most flattering angle. I know what you're seeing, and it's about 12 chins. They're not real, it's lighting. You, at the top, at the back, thank you, you're waving at me there? Excellent. Um, what's your name? Jed. Jed. Lots of very vocal men tonight. Again, I don't want to assume your gender. Are you, in fact, a man? I am a man. You are a man. very vocal men? Jed just waved at me, gave me a little saucy wave. (laughs) Just went... Like that. What's that? I'm a flirt. You're a flirt? I can see that, Jed. (laughs) That was implied with the saucy wave in the dark while I'm on stage. So if you're seeing me from Jed's angle, I am about 25% less attractive than you think I am. Because you're from the attractive selfie angle Held above my head. If you're seeing me from Tom's angle, I'm 45% more attractive than you think I am. So if you and Jed got together, I'd be about right. (laughs) All right. I I thought there was a lack of pan poly, but it's surfaced now, hasn't it? (laughs) (sighs) Okay, all right. Um, Just give us a share if you think you've got a feminist job. Yes, what's your job? A casting director. Now, why is that a feminist job? Because I look for disabled actors. Oh, you look for disabled actors. So you're specifically a casting director for disabled actors? Well, I kind of work it into the job I have as much as I can. Oh, I see. You do stealth feminism in an unfeminist job. That's an interesting one. Or not necessarily a feminist neutral job. You do stealth feminism. Can be a feminist job, depending on the type of thing that you're casting. And then you make it more feminist. Um, Amazing work. Is a casting agency we should know, or should we know about you in any way? Um, I probably shouldn't go into it. (laughs) Like, okay, so she's casting for MI5. Um, (laughs) Anyone else think they've got a feminist job? I know more people than that have got a feminist job. I understand who my audience is. My audience are three types of people. One, people who work directly in the most feminist way possible in literacy or with refugees or something like that. Second group, I uh, work in a more sort of uh, like holistic well, whether uh, NHS, um, climate change. And the third group are people doing a PhD about Virginia Woolf. <laughs> give us a cheer if you're doing a PhD about Virginia Woolf. Do you give us a cheer if you're doing a PhD? Yes, it's always. <laughs> Always have people, who gives you if you've already got a PhD? Yep. There's always, like, in a, it's not a massive room, and yet there's at least five doctors or doctors-to-be in the room. Uh, what's your doctorate on? Whoever cheered over here? Genetics. Genetics. Excellent. Not eugenics, just to be clear. What are you, what are you, what are you trying to prove or, or fix? Diseases, how they You're trying to stop diseases. Yes. What kind of diseases? Plant diseases. Who plans diseases? Plants. Oh, plant diseases. Oh, I thought you said plant diseases, and I was like, oh my God, this is a conspiracy that I've not heard about. Oh, So, plant diseases. Yes. So, diseases in plants. Yes. Do plants get diseases? Do they? Of course. Like, so, like, and then if you, ha- through genetics, you're fixing, like, trees, what, who get? Yeah. What, like, Ill. Is that and that's good because it, of the environment, and
4: because we eat,
0: and because plants. we eat plants. So we've, we're eating carrots that are not well. You fix them. Fi- you fix them. I don't. Yes. I- excellent. Okay. Uh, anyone else got a good PhD? Anyone else got a PhD? Anyone else got a dissertation? Yes. What's yours? Ghosts in Irish Theatre. Interestingly, the casting director. It's come full circle. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I, I love dissertation titles. Ghosts in Irish Theatre. But I bet the real title is much longer than that. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Spectres in the Playboy of the Western World. Second act. Um, metaphorical only. Um, I'm aware some people have come because they think it's a play, because we're in the theatre. Just give us a cheer if you thought it was a play. Just one person. Um, In so theatre, we tend to do more fun stuff. Um, because of the nature of the venue, and we do tend to do more serious stuff elsewhere. I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring what's going on in the world, because tonight we're talking about art and uh, objectivity and subjectivity and things like that. Um, I'm currently organising an episode um, about the situation in Gaza with Amnesty International, who are completely curating it, because I'm not an expert. So we are dealing with those things. But tonight what we're doing is we are giving... Space for some joy so that we ourselves as feminists can recuperate and restore and go out tomorrow and have another go at it. We do need to restore together and we do need to restore in joyful spaces. I've learned this by people who've been through a lot more than me uh, in terms of activism. A friend of mine who uh, was arrested in Turkey And she keeps saying to me What you're bringing is joy to Bring joy because joy builds resilience amongst feminists um, So are you on for some Thursday night joy and restoration? Then please welcome to the stage My incredible co-pilot of this evening She is a guilty feminist favourite of mine and yours It's the wonderful Alison Spittle. My God! Um, thank you so much for coming out because um, last Thursday night this show was sold out. Don't mean to brag, and I got COVID. Don't mean to brag, and so I mean now it's novel, and uh, so I, it, they had to cancel it, and there was no one here at all last Thursday. So they said to all the last Thursday people, "Do you want to come next Thursday?" And uh, lots of them went, "No, we've we've got the plans. We're busy Londoners." I've got date next Thursday. I don't want them knowing I'm a feminist or whatever they said. Um, they had other stuff on. So just give us a cheer if you transferred from a last week show. Give us a cheer. Thank you so much for coming back despite the inconvenience to your social life. Uh, just give us a cheer if you had to cancel something else to be here tonight. Oh, what did you cancel? Being on the bed. Being on the bed? Yeah, Being on the bed. Is that what the young people are calling it? Uh, you just invented it but being on the bed is it an innuendo or do you just literally mean lying down, lying down. we've all cancelled that yeah. we've all cancelled that we all thought about it we all looked outside it was raining it was a bit cold we all thought about it listen there are some empty seats here at the front where people did it people went fuck it I'm home now oh, I don't think I can I, don't, I can't have your to get out again oh it looks, looks like outside out there um, just give us who else cancelled something to come tonight Someone else, cheer? You? Yes. Oh, you're you're pointing those people out like it's a police state. You would be very good in a police state. They're upstairs. Uh, what's what's yours? Why did what did you cancel to be here? Uh, my boyfriend's gig. Your boyfriend's gig. Your husband's gig. Sorry. Your husband's gig. I'm sorry. Oh, so you forgot? Not only did you not go to his gig, you forgot that you'd married him.
3: <laughs>
0: Is that a recent husband? Yes. Oh, so he was recently your boyfriend. So you're still not used to saying husband? Yeah, yeah it's a horrible word, isn't it? Yeah. Wife's awful too, isn't it? Like boyfriend, girlfriend, you sound so young and sexy. Husband, wife, it sounds so serious, it sounds just like the gas bill and nothing fucking else. Which, you know, let's not make assumptions about everyone's marriage. But most of them are like that. Um, so you, what's your husband's gig? Uh, he plays in a big band. He plays in a big band. Trumpet, but where, oh, by big band, I thought you might mean, mean like you 2 or something like that. <laughs> no, you mean big band like, oh, like a jazz band. And you were going to see the Guilty Feminist last week and your husband's jazz band this week and instead you said fuck you I've seen him a lot I've seen him a lot well listen, that's feminism because she put feminism over a man even a man she just very recently married well done Um, so give us a cheer if you weren't going to come last week you just saw it was on this week and you went oh come to this this week Thank you so much. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. If you just walked up, if anyone just came up at the last minute and went, "Oh yeah, I'll go and see that," just give us a cheer. <laughs> just who, some. Is that? I, I don't want to assume your gender. Was that a man? Yes. Yes, it was a man. Um, you just what just saw it was on and thought this uh, looks like me. We saw a show before, and we were kind of black and fired, so we decided stick around. You saw a show before. Whose show did you see before? This gives me no confidence that if you're asked later what show this was, that you'll be able to share, spread the good news. It was another show. Was it in this room or yeah, the basement? Yeah, no, the basement. You were in the basement. Was it Chloe Petz or someone? Uh, Alice, Phil Ellis. Phil Ellis. Phil Ellis. Oh, I see. You saw Phil Ellis in the basement. Well done. And then you liked the vibe so much, you thought, we'll see if it's as good as Phil Ellis upstairs. Well, you would think if it was. It's a, bit di- of a different vibe, I suspect. Though. Oh, it's a. It's a <laughs> It's a very different vibe. So I don't know. What's your name, uh, Dominic. Dominic? Did Phil ask you your name? No, he we didn't. Well, already we're better then. <laughs> we've we've made you feel personally welcome, Dominic. Phil Ellis didn't do that, did he? No, he just went on with his own jokes as if you didn't exist, Dominic. We care about you, Dominic. We're interested in you, Dominic. What do you do for a living? Oh, uh, it's weirdly technical. <laughs> that's, that's when people are drug dealers. That's what they say. They're like, oh, it's weirdly technical. Um, you'll just say Anna Please welcome to the stage the
2: incredible Alison Spittle. Um, also like I'm not I'm not Joan like I'm not Rita Orr's, uh like... Um, what do they call it when you try and do publicity PR? I'm not Rita Ora's PR, but these earrings are the Rita or collection as well. Um, if I'm being honest with you, I went in for a bit of a hate look. I was like, "What? who who would buy shit from Rita Ora? And then I'm like, me. Uh, very much so. I bought loads from it. Um, so I'm going to talk to you today about, like... Uh, um, well... As a woman, um, I, I get bought quite a lot of bath bombs for Christmas, right? <laughs> with no research into whether I have access to a bath or not. <laughs> like, no one cares. No one cares. I I live in London with seven other people, right? I don't even have access to a verucalus wash. Like, there's just no... I'm not luxuriating in anything, right? And um, I, I've got, like... I've got like twenty-four bath bombs in my drawer now because uh, I haven't thrown them away. You know, I've developed quite an artillery of bath bombs at this stage. And I, um, I went to this hotel. Uh, I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'll name the hotel. It's Sashes, right in Manchester, which, according to TripAdvisor, is the worst hotel in Manchester. <laughs> like they voted the worst hotel I read their I love do you know what I love doing it's like a bit of a, an adrenaline rush for me, for me what I like to do is I like to look at the reviews of a hotel after I've booked it uh, so you know I can't change what I've done and I'm gonna go there but I might as well be prepared and like uh, there was such such bad reviews for this hotel right and I went to it and I was expecting the worst beautiful lovely chandelier went into the lift and I'm in the lift and uh, it's about like 11 o'clock at night and there's this man in the lift and he's got a, like a takeaway right he's going to have a good night I've got I've got a, uh, I've got a rucksack full of bath bombs uh, <laughs> in the hope that this place has a bath right uh, I'm going to have a good night as well right and um, we say nothing to each other but then he says to me um, yeah, you've a, you've quite big feet for a woman And I said, thank you. Um, And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, you've quite big feet. You're shaped like a duck. You're quite duck-shaped, right? And and I was like, thank you. (laughs) And then he goes, "Uh, but don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, I like that kind of thing. Quack, quack, baby. (laughs) And it was at that stage I told him I had a boyfriend, right? As if that was the only thing stopping me from fucking him there and then. (laughs) Went, no, I belong to another. I belong to another. And he propositioned me in the lift. And, like, the thing that I found funny about it was, and, like, this is not in the stand-up, but this is, like, a thing that I thought of after. Because he had a bag with a takeaway. I thought, that's a, that's a real dedication to fucking that a man has that I don't have in me. <laughs> like, if I had a bag of a Chinese takeaway, I don't care if Jake Gyllenhaal is in the lift, right? <laughs> I'm going to enjoy that takeaway I'll fuck him after I'll find you but like I'm not letting that takeaway go cold like there's no microwaves to that um, and uh, yeah and I I went into my hotel room and uh, I put on the bath and I'm there um, I, I bring a, I bring a flask of soup with me everywhere now um, because of the cost of living crisis and <laughs> genuinely I walk around with a flask of soup around my neck like a Saint Bernard dog <laughs> With brandy, just in case of an emergency. Um, and this hotel, it did have a bath. It was a lovely hotel, like I've named it. I, I fully recommend the hotel. It's, a, it's cheap. It's nice. The staff were lovely. I left my passport there, and they got it back for me. Um, the, the breakfast is shit, though. I'm not gonna lie for them. You know what I mean? I don't want you to go. Oh, she said it was lovely. It's fine for what it is. Skip the breakfast, right? But um, I was, I, I had this flask of soup, and I had a gig. Uh, that was uh, it was an hour away so I, I had to make a choice between having a bath or eating my dinner and then I thought fuck it Alison you're an independent woman uh, you don't have to make a choice at all you can girl boss this um, so I decided right, to run the bath and I opened up my soup and I was ready for a luxurious time I threw all of the 24 bath bombs into my bath <laughs> like a bath bomb Oppenheimer you know <laughs> Now I should have been asking myself, should I, rather than could I, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I presume that's what it was about. <laughs> oh. um, and, uh, and it was the angriest Baraka I've ever seen. This bath was intense, you know? It, it was like a witch's cauldron. I was so scared. So I threw my body on top of this angry Baraka. And um, I'm there with my open flask of soup and I'm like, am I, c- should I do this? Like, am I actually going to do this? And yes, I did. I ate the soup in the bath. And I'm, you know, sitting there in a brothy bath drinking soup. It felt perverse, if I'm being frank with you. I felt like a, felt like a Russian doll just made of soup, just consuming soup, sitting in my own soup, right? And, uh, <laughs> Yeah but uh yeah <laughs> it's weird that like uh, I I'm <laughs> I was gonna kink shame myself about soup Um that's the bit really I don't know how to end because I'm only giving you five minutes and there's loads of other bits and you don't need to hear that but um more soup ok fuck it um, do you know what because I, I got this whole show called soup it's gonna be touring Um genuinely I won't lie that add a bit from that. Um, what I'll do with you and the audience then, a uh, person in front, do you mind asking me? No, sorry. What's your favourite soup? You. Yeah, see, the problem is, you see, I've got two lazy eyes, so six people look at me to go, me? Um, I feel like a fishing trawler that's just trying to catch one goldfish, and I'm like, nah, get them all in. Um, sorry, what's your favourite soup? Chicken and veg. Chicken and veg, good choice. I'm going to make an assessment about your life based on that soup. <laughs> so you're a chicken and veg girly what will what, what I say about you um, have you ever watched have you ever watched an episode of Fraser in the morning on channel 4 and wished that you could stay at home no you haven't have you that's fine you see the system doesn't work all the time oh, Wait there. have you ever watched an episode of Friends fabulous we're done <laughs> that's the assessment there
0: <laughs> Alison Spiddle everybody That was brilliant. I am now going to do... I want to, I want to play that game with you later about what soup I have. Oh, yeah. I'm um, not much of a soup person, actually. Uh, I'm,
2: a, I'm like a, a, a funeral soup. That's my favourite soup. Yeah, yeah. The Irish people know at the back what that is. Funeral soup. It's, it's, it's basically... It's similar to soup you get at a wedding, so it's that kind of, like, vegetable bouillon thick kind of stuff that you get mass catering. Uh, but with a funeral one... Uh, there's tears involved, so it makes it that bit saltier. It's beautiful. Do you ever make your own condiments? <laughs> no, that's I don't make. That's the ma- most disgusting thing I've ever said. <laughs> Sorry, it isn't,
0: Alison, and that's what that's what's interesting about that. You've said so many more disgusting things to me than that tonight. You opened with something about Santa, no, d- dead Santa.
2: I did, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. All right. We're probably not going to keep that in, are we? You are not to give d- so many trigger warnings. People will go crazy over that. I mean, I look forward to it. Um, <laughs> trigger that- warning, discussions of Santa. <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do a little bit about the subject and the object before we bring our guest on. Yes. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to stand up because it's not really stand up yeah so it's um, sit down uh it's sit down so uh i'm gonna do it sit down because i don't want people to if i stand up there'll be an expectation of laughter and that's not really what it is now listen no i'm not saying you're not gonna laugh i think you probably will But if I stand up, there'll be a sort of raised expectation, which I
2: don't want. Deborah, this is a bit like if you're about to fuck someone and they're like, "I'm going to give a bit of oral at first, and then maybe hand jobbing, and uh, we'll finish off with this." And you're like, "Why did you tell me about it?" Well, I suppose maybe you should. Uh, I'm going to start off by making my own
0: condiment. Okay. (laughs) All right. Could you say, "Please welcome to the mic, Deborah Francis White, just for the podcast." Please welcome to the mic, Deborah Francis White, everybody. Um, Bert came to the shops with Ernie and me. It's not Ernie and I. You don't sound clever or more grammatically correct if you say with Ernie and I. And I know they're judging me when I say Ernie and me thinking it's I. It's not I. It's not I. Why is it not I? It's not Ernie and I because if it's at the end of the sentence, you're the object. It's probably me because you're the object. The subject in the sentence there is Bert, okay? Because the subject in a sentence is the thing that performs the action of a verb, whereas the object is the person, thing, or place that is impacted by or involved in the action. You can see why I'm sitting down for this. In other words, the subject does and the object receives. A sentence needs a subject, but not all sentences require subject an object. Alison slaps full sentence. So it's Alison doing something. There's no need to say what or who she slaps. Headlines and newspaper reporting often fuck with this. This is why it's important for feminists to know. This is not just me being a grammar snob. Really, really it isn't. This is a feminist issue because headlines and newspaper reporting often fuck with this. For example, the woman was assaulted while working for Harvey Weinstein. Who is the subject of that sentence? The woman. So the woman activates the verb. The woman was assaulted. As if the woman did it. As if just her presence there pushed the action of assault while working for Harvey Weinstein. That's a piece of reporting. As if Harvey Weinstein was just in the building while she was assaulted. Here's another one. This is from The Guardian. Underage girl forced to have sex with Prince Andrew U.S. court document claims. Underage girl, pushing the action, forced to have sex with Prince Andrew. He is the object of the sentence because as soon as he's the subject of the sentence, it implies that he's the active one. There are times when a woman has been made an object, but the press decide she's pushing the action. So she's been objectified and treated as an object, but the press decide she's the subject, she's pushing the action. Um, This is one. um, The Duke of Kent, the president of the All England Club, presents Serena Williams with the winner's trophy after another historic win at the Grand Slam. This is a good one because the man's the subject. He's driving that action there. What action is he driving? Presenting a trophy to Serena Williams because we all know the presenting of the trophy is the difficult part of winning Wimbledon. That's the re- and being Mr. President of the All England Club. This is a similar headline, but about a man. Federer wins record-breaking eighth Wimbledon. See there, Federer is the subject. He wins record-breaking eighth Wimbledon. Who gave him the trophy? It doesn't say. No one gives a fuck. Why? It was Federer. He's the subject. There's another headline, and it's just Federer wins. That's like Alison slaps. It's implied. It's implied who or what she slaps. It's implied who or what he's won. doesn't matter. He's just a winner. Um, this isn't always the case. I suppose, to, uh, to be fair to the news, I spotted this other tennis headline where the woman was the subject and the man was the object. Okay. This is a different one. So woman's going to be the subject here. Just being fair and balanced to the news. Alexander Zvevrev's is that right? Is that, am I saying that right, tennis fans? Zverev's. Alexander Zverev's ex-girlfriend goes public with details of alleged assault. So there you go. There's the woman pushing the action. She is going public. She doesn't have a name. There's no need for a name. Why would she need a name? She's she's identified specifically by being a famous tennis player's ex-girlfriend. And what is she doing? Pushing the action. Goes public with details of alleged assault. Who has assaulted her? It's just implied, the tennis player. But we're so far away from his name now that We don't really associate him with being the assaulter. But here's one where the tennis player is the subject. Tennis star Nick Kyrgios pled guilty to assaulting ex-girlfriend during an argument in 2021, but a judge in Canberra, Australia, dismissed the charge, citing, among other things, the publicity the trial garnered. So there's one where he is active, but the end of the sentence is he got away with it. And that's when generally he's allowed to be active. Um, when are you the subject of your own sentence? And this is what I'm going to now put to you. This is why it's important to know who's the subject and who's the object. And so that you don't go around saying things like, uh, yeah, um, uh, uh, myself, I uh, uh, did that. Uh, you have to know, are you the object or are you the subject? Um, for example, you could ask someone on a date by saying, um, I was wondering if you wanted to go to a show with me, or you could say, I'm going to a show and I'd love you to come with me. Uh, And try not to end it with, only if you're around, no worries if not. (laughs) This could be an example of a work email. Um, Just wondering if you'd like to look over some of the things the team have done this week. Thanks for supporting us through this fraught time. You're nowhere in that sentence. And the person, the boss, is now the subject. But you could turn that around and say, the team and I have achieved the impossible despite the odds. And we want to invite you in to gasp in amazement and congratulate us with pizza, beer, and sizable bonuses. (laughs) We appreciate your ongoing support of our brilliance. Uh, Or finally, dear Prime Minister, I will not be voting for your party not now or ever due to your actions, words, values, and principles. Love me. Always the subject, but not your subject.
1: From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com.
2: Moonpig.com
3: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah with a few quick announcements. We are back at King's Place in London with new live shows. On the 19th of February, we have the host of Academic Imperfectionist podcast, Rebecca Roche, and the hilarious Eleanor Conway, with the amazing Sakisa as my co-host. For more information and to book tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. I will also be coming to Australia and New Zealand in May. Those tickets will be available very soon, so keep an eye on the website. If you want an ad-free version of the show, you can get that from Patreon, ACAS Plus or Apple. And if you want to help us out, leave your five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Or just tell someone you know that they should listen to The Guilty Feminist with your face. Or in a WhatsApp group. Who knows? Speaking of which back to the podcast all right it's time for our incredible guest let's do it Um, our guest today is an artist who makes paintings and textile works that explore body image self-identity and trauma using herself as a model she addresses the complex impact of the objectification of women within society and how this is bound up with an idealized notion of the feminine please welcome to the stage lydia Petit. Thank you for coming.
4: Thank you for having me. I really needed that grammar lesson.
0: I'm, uh, so, I'm so sorry because it was a bit school mommy. No, but it's oh. important.
3: I never think about it.
0: It's really important. Whenever I hear people saying "coming with so and so," and I, I think you don't understand how this is working, and that that doesn't matter in itself. I don't give a fuck about people using quote unquote grammar, but I do care about women and people of marginalized genders being able to drive a sentence and also being able to identify where we're being told a story through the use of grammar that marginalizes or empowers.
4: Um, yeah, absolutely. And also like passive language, like you were just talking about work emails. I can't tell you the number of times I've been like, hi, I just wanted to check in about this thing that uh, you said you would get back to me three weeks ago on. And Just, just a nudge. Just a, you know, huh. But I, it's no, no worries. I say no worries so, many, so much. I, I know,
0: me too. And, and whenever I say it, I think... Worries. Yeah. Worries. No worries either way. Worries both ways and a third way. Fully worried. Entirely worried. Yeah, absolutely. Only worried. Now listen, your art is absolutely incredible. Um, And it really, the reason we came up with this theme tonight was because we were looking at your art and looking at the way that you take the usual objectification of women that has been historically and patriarchally. Uh, foist upon us, and has of course developed our psyche. And you do something very interesting with it. We'd love to show some slides of your art to begin. Tom, are we ready to do that?
4: Okay, great. Yes, please. Thank Tom you.
0: Let's get everybody. Hey. Woo! Okay.
4: I'm, not um, che- I'm not. So okay. I'm so myself. so
0: this is the first um, artwork. Yes. Could you ah. tell us a little bit about this? Could you just,
4: should you just describe it for the listeners at home? Um, yes. It's a self-portrait, a very large painting of my hand gripping sort of the classic keys and the knuckles that I think most women have been educated to do when you're walking alone at night. Um, I made, I made this painting because I'm still so frustrated At You know, because I remembered I learned this in a seminar at my all girls Episcopal school when I was 12. And it was basically like a how to not get raped seminar. And it was sort of like, don't wear a ponytail, Mm. you know, walk with confidence in garages and like, don't look like a target and uh, do this thing with keys because it'll save you or something. And. I think even at that time it perturbed me, even though I didn't really know why it's like, why? Cause like I, I was at a girl's school. There's a boy's school up the hill and they did not have a symmetrical. Yeah, well done. A symmetrical sort of seminar of like, how about you don't assault people? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, it's the, I had the frustration that the onus of our own protections on us, but also like in my experiences, it's not like the shadowy figure on the street Mm. that comes for you it's the people who you love and who are near you that you know it's the friend it's the oh god it is the friend yeah yeah
0: yeah and And you can't constantly have a homemade key knuckle duster when you're on a date or sitting with uh uh, watching a movie and someone leaves and you're left with somebody there you can't constantly have your keys between your fingers or maybe you can maybe we should design
4: a set of knuckle duster key rings that have that all the time or we just I mean, go back to chaperones you know like you know male chaperones everyone has to have one you know if it's if it's our responsibility
2: yeah it's interesting because i used to do jokes about like walking around like an artisanal wolverine just uh, <laughs> you know and you always have to pick what key goes where and like you know you pick the sharpest key for the for the index finger you know because that's where you think you're going to do the damage and then you're just left with like a fob key at the end and you don't know where to put that. And it just hangs there all useless. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe my assailant might have a pacemaker <laughs> and, uh, pop it up to his chest there. You shouldn't be doing crimes in your condition. Um, that's g- how I imagine my voice will be when I beat up. <laughs> my, it never goes down that way, but you know, I have my Batman voice ready. I'm um, going to look at another slide now. Can
0: you talk about this one?
4: Yeah, so um, my work is all self-portraiture and a lot of it has to do with reconciling with the parts of you that are kind of split up after you go through trauma. Like for me, I just did a show that was all about, um, it was called In Your Anger, I See Fear. And it's about you know depicting myself as like fear, anger, and then this sort of like central figure of the conscience and reconciliation. Mm. And in this piece, it's, You know, I just wanted to do a piece of me sort of like embracing this part of myself that I'm actually quite frightened by. Mm. You'll see in some of my other paintings, I depict myself as like literally a murderer Um, because horror is a huge part of my work. And, you know, I think when you are uh, taught to not express anger, often you push it down and it either comes out at yourself or can kind of become quite dangerous and violent and scary
0: so this is is this you hugging you yeah and hugging the the side the the piece the part inside of you that you're a bit scared of yeah who's in a black coat can you say what the name of this is because our Um, listeners might want to look it up
4: yeah um the painting's called i can be quite hard on myself Mm. um because i think that there's a cycle that happens where you become angry at the parts of yourself that are like not attractive emotionally, Mm -hmm. like physically and emotionally, like when you're not meek or amenable or that you, or rage, like rage is something that I feel like I was never allowed to possess growing up, but it's an important feeling anger because it tells you when someone's like crossed your boundaries.
2: I find it hard to express anger. Like I will, I do this thing where I just swallow like mm-hmm. I just swallow air until I can't feel anything anymore. And then some of the going, going. but it's okay to express yourself. And I'm like that, that train is gone.
4: Like yeah. I can't mm-hmm. do it now because I physically can't. And it's like it. somewhere deeper that you can't immediately access anymore. It's yeah. gone. It's, yeah. It's run away.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But yeah, I think um, it's scary to face that. And through my work, I've definitely kind of characterized myself as sort of like the classic, like Drew Barrymore and scream, like, Helpless, like uh, like that person, as well as like a slasher that I'm scared of, mm.
0: and there's both inside of you. Uh, could you talk about this
4: one? Oh, yeah. Wow. So this painting, um what's it called? This one's called Ma, which is you know Ma, um, and I basically went through quite a bit of trauma in my late teens, early twenties, and my body just kind of shut down when it came to sex. Like I just stopped feeling attraction, and. Uh, That was complicated in a world where you're like, everyone's meant to have a partner, meant to have, you know, Mm -hmm. be dating all these things. And um, recently, though, the, you know, part of me that has been sort of like uh, gone in the depths is starting to reemerge. And I find it incredibly frightening to like want something sexually like i find it really really alien and almost violent
0: yeah. and this is this painting is of uh your open mouth yeah and there's saliva coming out of the mouth and inside the mouth
4: and teeth and, and
0: yeah nasty and, yeah and it's is it is it angst
4: or anguish or sexuality or all of those i find this painting is a great litmus test for whoever's looking at it because you know my parents see someone in grave pain you know m- like men that i'm talking to are like Ooh, like spit, uh, you know, and then like some people see, you know, <laughs> anger, and it's just it just depends. It's a, it's meant to be on the precipice of all these things because I feel all these things at once when it comes to sex, you know.
2: I'm so repressed though that I'm like when you said your parents reacted in that way, and then men reacted. Ooh, spit. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't let like my parents go. Ooh, spit.
4: <laughs> Do you know, what I, mean? no, I don't wow. want to talk about the pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. I see anguish in that. I have to say, yeah. What,
4: Tell us about this one. What's it called? So th- this one's called Mercy. Um, and this is, there is two large paintings of my face. One is the victim, one's the villain. And this is the face of the villain. Mm. So this is sort of, this painting's two meters tall. So it's it's quite big and uh, imposing. And it's sort of like, uh, cinema is really, really important to my work. And so to me, I see this as like looking up at the face of the vill- villain or the, mm. the monster or the assailant, like before they kill you. Um and imagining myself in that place is incredibly was incredibly scary because again I did not express anger for a long time mm. and I used to be quite proud of that but actually I was just like it was just like in me like festering and becoming mm. something nastier and nastier
2: Well when I'm angry I'm afraid of losing control I see yeah. I see when I I used to think that if I didn't express anger that meant I was in control of my emotions yeah. rather than suppressing it like what event Like, when did you start actually having a healthy relationship with your own anger?
4: I mean, my painting has helped a lot because, you know, six years ago, I've been painting since I was 15. I'm 32 now. But six years ago, I started the self-portraiture and I didn't really know why. I just started to follow this like gut Mm. draw to painting myself. And then all of a sudden I started just like realizing you know, I I've been in you know, I've been in therapy forever. Love <laughs> therapy. But there's only you know, sometimes there's a thing behaving in the in the subconscious that you can't access except through some kind of like active exploration and I found that I was uncovering different layers of the trauma and my body and my, I felt like I was presenting things as I was ready to cope with them. Mm. And so the anger and this villain character mm started coming up uh, a little like a year and a half ago and I was really scared because all of a sudden I really wanted to paint myself Mm -hmm. as this like frightening figure because I've never been the frightening one I've always been like at the behest of someone who frightens me in my trauma right so I think that in a way as like frightening as it is to make yourself look like scary and violent and like intimidating. It's also like super thrilling. And it's like a moment of fantasy where you get to be the one in these horror dynamics, in these like worlds you're building, you get to be the one that's like has the power and is meant to be feared. Well, the subject, not the object.
0: Yeah. Because if you watch a, like a film like peeping Tom, which -hmm. is kind of a classic of the genre of the, of the serial killer. So one of the earliest ones, uh, the object is always the, the woman who he's stalking and the women in those films are there to be objectified, to be under the male gaze and to ultimately be killed and often mm-hmm. dismembered. And in this, although you're playing into that horror trope, you are the subject of the horror trope. And I think yeah. a lot of women have very dark sexual fantasies and I think sometimes it's a way of controlling the worst thing that could ever happen to you yeah. by saying in this fantasy... I choose this. It's only a fantasy and it doesn't mean it at all that you would yeah. have something horrifying to happen to you in real life, but it is a way of going. I take control of it. I choose it. Yeah. And because we're all live in fear of it. Um,
4: Let's look at this one. As, this is the Drew Barrymore cla- I mean, I didn't even mean it to be, I, I just happen to have the same hair of her as she did in Scream. Um, but this piece was from a show I did all about Italian horror. So the sort of the similar era with- the Suspiria. Yeah, Suspiria, Dario Argento, the sort of like slashers, body count films. Um, What's this called? This one's called, It's Coming from Inside the House, which- And can you just describe briefly? Oh, it's a, it's a painting of me crying on a, a, a vintage rotary- Telephone in the darkness. Uh, very, very scream. Um, and again, sometimes I also want to lean into victimhood because I find it comforting to, I always found it more comfortable to be seen as a victim rather than someone who is like active and like oh, I had love, agency. I love it when someone does
2: me wrong wrong. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Just for the chats I would have afterwards. And I didn't do anything. That would be mine. You know what I mean? There's nothing better than like actual righteous rage where you're like,
4: Yeah. You know?
2: And then other people can get angry on your behalf. And I'm like, yeah. And it's even fizz on it, you know. Yeah.
4: And it's even like when you tell someone your story, whatever your story is, and they're like, oh my God, that's Fucked up, and you're like, yeah, it is fucked up. Buddy. It is so fucked up. Tell me how bad it is. Totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, the, my my anecdotes are the most horrible anecdotes
2: you'll ever hear in your life. Do you know, I'll be at a, I remember once I went to a concert to watch Heim with another comedian, and uh, before they started, I think the sentence ended with. Yeah, and I think uh, there's no such thing as natural justice as my life has shown before. Mm. And then Heim were like, da, 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 and I was like, Yeah, I love this song, you know? <laughs> because I I think like i like I I do a lot of stand up about trauma. I love your art and stuff and I feel that like the thing what not annoys me, but I've had I've had like I've had people question me and go, like, once so I've been robbed a lot of times and what like uh twice I've walked in on people robbing me and once the man had a knife. So that type so it's kinda of like scream in that way. It's terrible. I know, I know. But like, you know, <laughs> shit happens. And like the I remember once I the guy interviewed me and he goes, Oh, he was trying to be a bit funny about because I'm a comedian. He's like, is there a common denominator here? And I was like, "Yes, uh, male violence." And uh,
4: <laughs> that shut <showed> him up. so <laughs> I
2: don't want to go. I'm a, I'm a klutz. I just forget to lock the door. I'm just whatever, such an you know? obvious
4: victim. Look but at me. Right?
2: Five years ago, I would have been like, "I'm such a little small bean." You I'm, know, I'm what just I mean? a baby. i just, I don't I'm know, i understand a baby. about this world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's
4: look at this one. Oh, this is really dramatic. Yeah. So this one's called the seduction, and it's sort of this villain character that I paint myself as, looking in the reflection of themselves in the knife. And to me, this is literally about how if you sort of follow the spiral of rage and like anger, and you don't cope with it properly, it's like incredibly thrilling to give into it. And like there is a seduction to give in to the part of you that wants to just like shout. And scream and destroy relationships, and it, like at the slightest sort of when you've been, especially when you've been through trauma, at the slightest transgression that someone may make, there's part of you that just wants to like throw them out of your life, or you know. And for me, I don't engage in physical violence, but I think obviously horror is an exaggeration of like very real emotions and experiences, and I find this idea of violence, emotional, physical, whatever. Um, it's a lot easier to give in to that than it is to like actually f- sort out the source of it.
2: Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. And I think that like uh that's why like uh violent stuff is so popular. I don't think like violent people like to watch violence. I don't think it's for that market. I think mm-hmm. it's for people who want a bit of control and um I wanna ask you like this is the last question I'll ask, and it's mm. just, I'm interested in this. Um because you're, you're, you're a similar age to me. And when mm-hmm. I was a teenager, like for the first part of my teenage life, like when I was 13, there wasn't really such thing as a selfie or as if I didn't understand what it was. You yeah. know, I knew it was something Paris Hilton did, but like <laughs> it didn't apply to me. And then when I got older, I got a, a digital camera and like my friends would do selfies. And I tried to do a selfie myself, but I kind of hated the way I looked and I hated. Uh, myself and I, fa- I, I kind of said selfies are for people that are uh, vacuous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do a selfie because I'm not vacuous. But what it was was that I didn't like the way I looked or, or yeah. myself, and I didn't want to keep a record of it. Kind of sad about that because there's actually fuck all pictures of me when I was a teenager. Yeah. And I think looking back, I was rad. But like, um, <laughs> you, I bet you were. Yes, I was. I was well. I, I liked Morrissey It was quite problematic <laughs> at the time, but. <laughs> Um, what was your relationship like for selfies when you were a teenager and coming up to now?
4: I was actually, um, I had quite bad body dysmorphia. And for people who can't see me, uh, I'm a, I'm a big lady, a bigger lady, as they say. Um, when I was younger, I wasn't, but I had, I saw myself as like disgusting and I had like quite an unhealthy, uh, environment growing up when it came to, uh, physical, like, after, like, you know, weight, fitness. Food, all those things. Weirdly, I was like hyper obsessed with documenting myself, and the and, and like, but I would take so many pictures and delete so many pictures, and like they would it would only a handful would be like acceptable. Yeah, at the like. Cont- contortion as you were speaking the sort of like the angles which are big conversation in the 2000s the sort of like the angles
2: oh yeah. big time yeah yeah um i was walking around like mega mind it was just a large forehead <laughs> it was taken so close to my forehead
4: but yeah i would yeah i'd be like one of these and i'd be like oh my eyes are so big i'm so small Look yeah me. um because I wasn't, because I was, you know, I have huge feet. I'm taller, you know. I've always, I was always like a little bigger than my friends. Um, but I think selfies, in a way, at first, it started as sort of like a obsessive uh, need to sort of like be seen. I was thinking, like, thinking about social media, MySpace, all that stuff, which is where I started, you know, MySpace. Yeah. Um, but now. In terms of the artwork, because these are, you could say these are selfies too, but I have become so, we see ourselves through the lens of like other people. We don't look at it. When you look at yourself, you're not really looking at yourself. You're looking at it based on like the perceptions of other people. Yeah. You're, you're analyzing the way that you look based on, um, what would this person think? What is, you know, how am I supposed to look in these clothes? Like whatever. But I've depicted myself so many times at this point in like ways that are like not flattering conventionally. They're just like Frank, you know, I have like the pubes and the stretch marks and the rolls and,
0: and you, you often do pictures of just different body parts yeah. that seem
4: disembodied. Well, yeah. And I was saying this earlier, I think we're almost meant to dismember ourselves in the way that we look at our bodies because we're sort of like, oh, well my belly, like my mm-hmm. belly, I've like had this lifelong like struggle with. Cause it's like, it is unacceptable to have a big belly unless like you're pregnant, apparently. And so I've constantly fixate on my belly or fixate on the fat under my arms or fixate on my on, yeah. my, on my on my throat. I fixate on my thighs. I fixate on my fupa, you know, like all that stuff. What's a fupa? A uh, fat upper pussy area. Amazing! <laughs> yeah. You've never heard fupa? Maybe that's I've an American ne- thing. I've, I've never, never heard fupa. I've seen it. This is the fupa. Has,
0: has anyone else heard of that? Oh my That's god. A great word. Fupa.
4: Just, I just feel like just one I've done one person my job in the front row knows it. Nobody else but, knows um, it. But um yeah, you're looking at all
2: I'm these Google
4: it. This is me as like, you know, literally a scary person in the doorway coming to murder you. Um yeah, I look at myself in segments of of uh, almost like a car that needs detailing, you know what mm. I mean? And it's just like in it's a way so I I reflect that in my work because it's like and again, I, I feel completely fine objectifying myself because I have the right to see myself and depict myself any way that I want. Mm. But I think that through the years of constant observation from an artistic lens rather than a lens of attraction, because again, I've never had a relationship. I didn't really date in my 20s because of my trauma. And so I started really only looking at myself in terms of like form Light, you know what is there. Yeah, and so now I see myself in a way I'm really forming an actual relationship with my own body through mm-hmm. my own my own sight, my own gaze, rather than constantly. And don't get me wrong; it's not like it's fixed. There's days when I look at myself, I'm like, I'm fucking disgusting. Like I hate myself. And you know, I think it's impossible to like constantly love yourself. I don't think that's like a healthy thing. But to look at yourself with neutrality and to value yourself beyond your appearance, I think, is really, really important. And I think the past 10 years, I've been quite aggressively trying to dismantle the the structures that my life was built upon.
2: And the cool thing is, is like, when I've done stand-up about myself, sometimes I've done fat jokes in the past because i felt it was acceptable and then i would do stuff where the audience would feel uncomfortable with it and i get that but it's kind of cool that like you're allowed to just find out what's fucking right for you yeah. and to make art and to do that and people can give their opinions and stuff and that you know it's a conversation but ultimately and at the end of the day it's your you are the subject and the object and you are yeah. you know you're presenting something i think it's great like thank you so much Oh well, thank you, guys. Yeah, there's some... I'm, I'm just going to show the Quickly, audience some Shuffle of these. Uh, look, we got the fupa. Yeah, the yeah there's my fupa. <laughs>
4: Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, this is the companion to the red face. This is sort of like the witch being burned, you know. But well, um, the, yeah. no, fatness, I think also people are so frightened to even... like They're in, afraid of the word. They're, fri- they're scared of it because they don't want to even endorse you accepting reality of your own body. Do you know who's most afraid of the word fat? Uh,
2: thin women around you. What oh. you can't
4: call yourself that. I, I get
2: like, so much yeah. like,
4: no, you're beautiful. I didn't say I wasn't. Uh, yeah, and was you, like, I mean? you have such a beautiful face, and I'm like, I know, but I didn't. My body is nice too, but back off. <laughs> but no, I think it's also really liberating to be able to speak about yourself frankly, even if it makes people uncomfortable.
0: Mm. Well, that's what I think your aunt does because it it really explores uh, sides of the internal that sometimes I think feminism misses because we are concerned with constructing a better narrative than the one we've been given. Yeah. And therefore sometimes we skip over our own humanity. Yeah. And I think you sit in the space which says inside every woman deep down there is a human being that is frightened and hungry and wants to fuck and doesn't want to fuck and wants to fight and is scared and is sometimes bad and that's that's to me when feminism to me the next stage of feminism is when women are allowed to be people
4: and that's why i love horror because there's so many depictions of women being like total nutters you know and like
2: Mm.
4: angry and vengeful Mm. and scared and just you know but also Mm. the the heroine the one who conquers the the demon the monster whatever there's all sorts of depictions a lot of it comes from misogynistic perspectives but Many people, you know, queer people, uh, indigenous people, like black Americans, especially are like taking these tropes and flipping them to talk about their own pain. And I think it's Mm -hmm. really, really a wonderful resource.
0: Horror and sci fi are imaginative worlds where people who don't fit into the regular narrative, they can hijack them and then like, and twist them and and create something wonderful. And that's what you're doing. We need to wrap up. But where can we see more
4: of your work? Oh, my goodness. Whoa, not here for a while. Sorry. Um, where can we follow you? Uh, my Instagram is at Lydia Pettit. Uh, like you do a dog. Uh, you know, you're Pettit. Yeah, my dad says that. Um, and uh, yeah, just look up there. I have a show opening tomorrow, actually, in Berlin, um, responding to a Baroque old master, a, a lady, Elisabetta Serrani.
0: How long is that on in Berlin?
4: Um, that's going to be up until January. So you can check okay, that out. Great. So yeah. if you, we have a lot of listeners in Berlin. So if you're, if you're in Berlin, gallery, U Dean opening, uh, November 10th and will it come here? No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, but listen, we can follow you on socials and see what else you're yeah, exhibiting. Absolutely. And if there are any art collectors that want to buy, uh, presumably you have a gallery or yeah, somebody,
4: you know? Just hit me up. It's fine. Okay, we'll just... Hit, do we hit you? There must be... Don't gal- hit me up. No, just email my gallery. <laughs> email the gallery. What's I want to you. <laughs> what's, what's the gallery? Uh, gallery
0: U in Gallery Eugene in Berlin. Um, Lydia Pettit, I, you have been absolutely fascinating. That's been... It was really interesting, isn't it? Have you, have you enjoyed it? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Big that. round of applause for Lydia Pettit.
2: Yay! Alison Spittel. Woo! Everyone here at Soho Theatre. I'm just while it's still recording I'm going to record this just to do a plug Um, so I got this play going on in Oxford you can keep walking out don't worry this is for the podcast Uh, I got a play that's going on in the old firehouse in Oxford called Glacier it's on in December come check that out I am touring with a new show called Soup which is on from January until May you need to check that out too And uh, that's about it. Have a great life. Bye. I've been Deborah Francis-Demoyne. We've been the Guilty Feminists. Thank
0: you. Good night. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminists with me, was my guest co-host, Alison Spittel, and our very special guest, Lydia Pettit. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Solinsky for the Spotted Shop. Thanks to Rachel Croft and Gina DeCio, Zayna Mohammed, and everyone at South as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com! Woo! And you're not that small, to be honest. You're about to, you're sorry, about... yeah, shit, no, you're no, Nick, uh, no. Nick Nolte. Uh, medium <laughs> size. Why am I bringing up Nick Nolte? Is <laughs> Nick Nolte just an average-sized guy? Is he like a five-nine guy? I presume so. He gives that energy, doesn't Is he? Does he give yeah. five-nine vibes? Yeah. He's neither Tom Cruise nor Jake Gyllenhaal nor Jake Gyllenhaal. Is he? What's he? He there was a whole there was a whole podcast about how tall he was. I can't remember how tall he was, but I remember... There's too many podcasts now. I feel like, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying we should stop this one, but I'm tempted just on the basis of hearing that. You just think take too one much? out of the... Yeah. I, but I don't think a feminist podcast should back down in the face of a Jake Gyllenhaal's height podcast. <laughs> I feel like there's more need for feminism. If I, if I look out the window or I yeah. look on the front page of the BBC News, I don't think to myself, we need less feminism. I think we need less of Jake Gyllenhaal's average height. It's okay. 27 episodes. All right. <laughs> this is the – I'm going to say this. This is The Guilty Feminist. The, podcast. the Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.